Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay. <laughs> An error occurred. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, you got a one. There's a workaround for everything, folks. There is a workaround for everything. Okay, it is the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast. We are going to do this. We are going to go to our first guest who's going to join us. Um, e. Hoffman. Join us on a Skype link. Of course they are. Um, apparently, the Skype link they're supposed to join us on. Okay, well, we're going to do this. I'm just going to call off this one. We're just going to get on in. We're just going to go that route. Supposed to call Don Mazella on the telephone. Apparently, Don has no power. So we are going to see if we can get Don Mazella in here. And uh, then we're going to get IQ this whole thing going. Okay, there he is, Don. the man himself. Don Mazella, how are you, sir? <laughs> Pretty good now. No electricity and no phone all day. So anyway, <laughs> wow. Well, anyway. uh, at least you're here. That's that 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 that's <laughs> that that that's good to hear. Uh, Don Mazella joins us here in a broadcast, and we are uh, going to be joined hopefully here by the fabulous IQ Al Rizzoli here in just a few seconds, and uh, maybe IQ will uh, pop up, and we will see what happens here. Um, we were. We're also going to see if I can get uh, the fabulous Josh Bernstein in here. I don't know if we can go for the trifecta and being able to get everybody in here, but we will see what happens. Um, so, Don, uh, there is a potential uh, audit or indictment or something. They're going to do something else with Trump. Uh, what do you <laughs> think about all this? <laughs> You know, I saw a great piece yesterday on, uh, on one of the channels where someone said uh, what they want to do, the Democrats, is uh, uh, make him um, 
uh, unbeatable in the Republican um, primaries, make him the, the uh, candidate, then uh, uh, kill him with all of the trials during the presidential election. And, uh, you know, uh, it was by a former attorney, uh, assistant attorney general, and I think he spoke the truth. I mean, they're just, they're just going to kill him. You know, I can't imagine. The, uh, the only one that a uh, president comes close is Andrew Jackson and being vilified by his opposition. And uh, nothing compares to what they're doing with Trump. No matter how you feel about him, you've got to say that uh, all of this is political. And, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the worst. You have reached 480. Okay. Apparently we're not going to get Josh. Go, 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 go ahead, my friend. Go ahead. No, uh, keep going. I mean, uh, it, it's really something. And the very fact uh, that the uh, Republicans released all of these uh, documents about the Biden family, I don't know if you've looked at this. It is an amazing document detailing where the money went. You know, they also follow the money. Well, they certainly followed the money. And it's a damning chart. I don't know if you've seen that chart. It shows where the money went and from whom. And, uh, but naturally, the New York Times is totally ignoring the story, as are the major uh, the media. And it's just uh, disgusting. Uh, the only words to use are disgusting. You cannot ignore it. It's like a, uh, uh, um, you, you want to be a blind man and, uh, and, and just ignore it all. Anyway, are you there? I'm still Did here, you? Don. I'm still, I'm still okay, listening I mean, to I you, my keep friend. Going. I, uh, okay, I, I'll go ahead, my friend, keep talking. Oh, you know me. I got, <laughs> but the, I think the, the really important thing that happened to, uh, was in today's paper, again, in the Wall Street Journal, is that Saudis are moving to uh, normalize relations with Israel. If you knew what a, uh, they recognized it and put it on the front page, the New York Times ignored it as usual. But the point is, if that is a seismic uh, change in mid-east policy, whether you, however you feel about the Saudis, however you feel about Israel, it is a major change, given given what's happened. Though, admittedly, over the last uh, 30 years, the Saudis and the Israelis have uh, cooperated to an extent very, very little noted. But it's a major event when they publicly acknowledge this. Uh, a relationship between uh, I'm dying to hear IQ's comments on it. IQ, uh, uh, you're with us, right? You can you can. I'm with you now. Can you hear me? Fantastic, fantastic. So uh, Don Don was uh, talking to us about this uh, this Saudi Iran, all these various things. Uh, go, go ahead and because. IQ joined us in the middle of what you were just saying. Uh, uh, IQ, on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today is a story that the Saudis are, are moving to normalize relations with Israel. And I said that that is a, a major change in Mideastern policy, and I was dying to hear your comment. Well, the newspaper didn't tell you that it is conditional on how the Israelis will deal with the Palestinian states. So really, it's not a starter. All the conditions that Saudis always wanted was a two-state solution. 
you know as well as I do, there is no chance in hell that you have two-state solution in Israel. You have Gaza was given freedom, what, 15 years ago. What did they do with it? They have Hezbollah and they have uh, Hamas. The Western territories, west of the Jordan River, was given to Abbas. Abbas was elected for four years, but 16 years later, he's still prime minister. So how do you want to have a two-state solution when Islam cannot allow democracy? I don't understand that. I really can't figure it out. The West has always spoken about democracy, yet they have no bloody idea what it means. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, uh, perhaps I don't understand. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, I've always thought that it was the um, the Palestinians who uh, uh, kept turning down a two-state two world. Are you saying that the Israelis won't allow it? Now they will not allow it. They gave them 72 years to, to have a state. Why didn't they have a state when the, the uh, Arabs were in control? For 19 years, between 1948 to 1967, for 19 years, the Jordanians had the West Bank and the Egyptians had Gaza. Both were Arab states. Why did they create a state of their own? It's a simple question. For 19 years, they were under the subjugation of an Arab and Muslim entity. Why? Only when the Israelis won the Six-Day War, all of a sudden, they want a two-state solution. Simple question. Nobody asked the question ever. <laughs> but but um, it's my understanding that is the Israelis will permit a Palestinian state, unless I'm wrong on that. I've, I've been wrong before. There were, it's not a matter of creating a Palestinian state. There are 22 Arab states. Only a few of them have peace with Israel. You know, there was a peace treaty with Egypt 40 years ago. But it's not yeah. a peace treaty. Yes, it's not a really a peace treaty. Egyptians have not been allowed to go to Israel. Israelis who used to go to, to Egypt were assaulted. They stopped going to, to Egypt. So it's not really a peace treaty. It's a cessation of hostilities. It's not the same thing. Even with Jordan. They made a peace treaty, but it's not really a peace treaty. It's bullshit. <laughs> but but, but uh, it would be to Israel's advantage to um, uh, give a, a, a Palestinian state. I, Why? I don't un Why? What is the advantage for Israel? Give me a single advantage for Israel. There is no peace with the Arabs and the Muslims. They can't be. But, but, but slowly but surely, they're getting the peace with the Arabs. Unless, uh, <laughs> unless I'm looking at it wrong. I mean, when you normalize relations, uh, and uh, uh, you basically have uh, uh, Iran, the Hamas in Lebanon, that's all that's left, and the Palestinians. If you take care of the Palestinians by giving them a state and let them uh, corrupt it as they have, um, then you're only dealing with Hamas. <laughs> or... But Hamas is a state. 
and the West Bank is a state, the two states of Palestine, and they don't agree with each other. Why would Israel agree with both of them? I don't get it. They are killing each other. They are subverting each other, and they want Israel to make peace with them. Well, I, I, you know, I can't figure it out. Maybe you can figure it out. Well, again, maybe I'm wrong, uh, or maybe I'm looking at it differently, but the Palestinians keep insisting they want a state, and... Uh, they want the a pa- state? Why don't you read their charter? They want a state from the river to the sea. What does that mean, please? Simple question. They want a state. They said they want a state. But they want a state only for themselves. Why are you not reading their own charters? Why are you not reading, not only you, by the way, all the Western news media? They never, never repeat what the Palestinians are actually saying, ever. They say... Well, you know, are, you, are you saying they want part of Israel as well? No, no, no. They want the whole of Israel, not part of Israel. The whole of Israel. Every single statement they make is the extermination of Israel. Every single statement. Hmm. Now, if I were an Israeli prime minister... Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but there's words and there's reality. Uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, again, uh, t- to me, um, uh, Israel should just say they want a state, they could have it. This is the, t- the territory they could have, uh, take it or leave it. Um, uh, uh, if I read the articles correctly, and I, I'm, I'm not on the ground, and I wasn't in Israel as you were recently, but, but the, the way I read it, the, the Saudis are, yeah, conditioning, making some conditions, but they are trying to say, say let's settle this uh, um, the sore point and let's get on with things because uh, they have other fish to fry. Correct. Um, I agree with you. I agree with the Saudis. They have their own issues also. But they want Israel to pay the price. That's the whole point. Every single time, it is for Israel to pay the price. Look what happened now. Biden had five Americans or six Americans released and gave them $6 billion, the Iranians. (laughs) Well, this guy is out of his mind. Well, we we know that, but but we're talking about today. And and, and again, that's what he did today. That's what Biden did today. He made the negotiation with the Ayatollahs who are terrorists to release a few Americans for $6 billion. What? That's that's news to me. I'm sorry. It's probably true, but it's news to me. So I I, I, I tend to ignore anything that Biden does because it's... (laughs) Um, you know, you know, it's an it's he's an old man. Do you see? Did you see him shuffle to to that monument um, uh, over the weekend yes. uh, or during the? I mean, he shuffled. If I did that, they'd be putting me in the old people's home. <laughs> uh, uh, but you are uh, younger than he is by a few years. I'm 80. I forget what he is. 82. No, he's 
Yeah, I think he's 80, something like that. No, he's the same same age as me. Um, You know, my wife would put me out the pasture if I walked like him. But look at the difference between you and him. You are intelligent and alive. He is stupid and dead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. A lot of people will disagree with you, but that's thank you. (laughs) No one can disagree with me. You are alive. Can you imagine at your age, you're younger than him by about 60 years. (laughs) Some days days I don't feel that way, believe me. But, But let's get back... Well, let's let's get off of age and let's talk about uh, something that's much more important. I mean, um, uh, before you got on, I was saying about this uh, assistant attorney general, uh, former, who said that uh, the Democrats are are uh, putting the uh, all of these indictments so that uh, Trump runs away with the uh, nomination, and then when he goes to trial, it'll be d- during the presidential campaign and the majority of Americans will see him on trial rather than indicted. What do you, how do you feel about that IQ? Well, uh, how do I feel about it? Because you have no justice system. So what about, how do I feel about it? You are a banana republic. You are today a banana <laughs> There was a big headline. There was a big headline today, but somebody called it a banana republic. They couldn't, they ran from, with all due respect, I said that four years ago. I thought about you, but <laughs> but but I can let's 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 talk about the the Middle East, etc. <clears throat> yeah. uh, I'm told that uh, they're going to begin putting American Marines on uh, merchant ships um, uh, to protect against the Iranians. What, what do you think the Iranians will do? Yeah, no, no, forget about what the Iranians would do. It's irrelevant what they do. Americans are stupid. I'm talking about the leadership now. I'm not about American people only. I'm talking about your leadership. Israel is ready to destroy the Iranian nuclear facilities. And instead of supporting Israel in doing it, they play games. Why do they need to put anybody on ships to protect the ships? They should tell Iran, you attack one single ship, we take you out completely. That's all they have to do. That's all America has to do. You put them on notice. One single miscalculation, we take you out. You know what? They will not do it. No, you're right. Absolutely right. You are absolutely right, because there's no backbone in the American government today. So, that's, so they put soldiers, they put them in danger when they should not have no need to do it. Look, there was an interview with all the people, the families who lost the 13 soldiers in Afghanistan. Did you watch the program? Yes. No. Biden destroyed America in Afghanistan. He cheated. He robbed America of a victory. He actually robbed her. He demeaned her. And all the people who are who were there, like the 
chief of staff will will William William Willie Willie something. What's his name? He's still yeah, I think there. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And Austin, the black guy who's uh, minister. Oh of the yeah, the, the 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 guy who was a military contractor, and then they had to get a uh, a special waiver so he could become part of the uh, the the military. <laughs> yes. I mean, for God's sake, when you have incompetent people like this causing the death of American soldiers, and not even apologizing, not even retracting, they said it was a successful. Uh, re- retreat and successful uh, going out of Afghanistan. How was it successful? When billions of dollars worth of military equipment, the top best equipment in, on earth, went to the Taliban. Look what the Taliban are doing with them now. Look, You're I'm, right. I'm sorry to be negative, <laughs> but there is nothing positive about America today under Biden. Nothing. You know, one one of the things that and 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 I have I have been dying to ask you guys these 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 questions. Um, one of the things that I find so strange about the the Biden administration is Biden when he came into office, he's like, oh, you know, Trump's this, Trump's that. We got to get rid of all these Trump people, but yet there's all sorts of Trump people that were appointed by Trump that still have jobs. Like the guy who runs the post office. That was a Trump appointee. He's still there. Uh, there's a couple other people. Well, I can are... tell you why that one is because no one, no one wants the job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's the absolute truth. They've been trying to get him out, but they, they can't find anybody. Would you like to run the post office? No, no. The, the corporate Democrats and the corporate Republicans have so ruined the United States Postal Service. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, no, but that, that is the reason. I'm That's told, the reason that guy's uh, still there. That is hilarious. <laughs> See, I wondered why that was, because they, because you constantly hear all this stuff about, oh, all these people that Trump either put in there or appointed or whatever, everybody's like, oh, Trump's this evil man. But yet the post office guy's still there. There's a bunch of judges that are still there. I'm like, I thought Trump was so evil. Because he was a very good judge of, of people to put in his job. He was a businessman. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, at the uh, uh, Biden administration, and this was told to me by someone no one in the White House, not a single person that this person um, had vetted, had business experience, had never met a payroll. Okay? Yeah, and there's some people that uh, still haven't. I mean, you know, you know the, the, and uh, the post office guy, he's willing to stay because he believes that he can uh, turn it around. And... Uh, if, uh, if we want to talk about the post office, um, uh, when I moved from New Jersey to Delaware, the difference in the post uh, the the postal service here in Delaware to New Jersey, it's the people and it's the union. But here in Delaware, uh, when we first came uh, here, um, uh, the uh, the postal woman, 
she actually put a, the the uh, uh, some of the packages in our front door to protect them from the rain. In New Jersey, they just throw them on the, the lawn. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, um, but I mean, the, the post office is a mess. But it, but uh, from what I've heard, and again, this is what I've heard. He is really trying to do a job. And um, the, the interesting thing, if I may go further, um, is that the, the new generation of uh, people, black, uh, Hispanic, whatever, that are coming in, don't from, the post office was heavily um, immigrant-oriented uh, uh, from, uh, from the period uh, 1920 to 1980. Well, you know where um, you you went to work, you did your job, and you did it well. Um, from the uh, 1980 to, 19, to 2010, there was a whole generation of people that just said, "Give me the money," and uh, um, avoided the job. From uh, from 2010, this and this is from a, a consultant who's uh, been working with the post office for 20 years. From from 19 from 2010. To today, the, the influx of people coming in are much more work-oriented. And the interesting thing is, amongst the blacks, uh, the people that are coming in are much more prone to be willing to put in the, the eight hours than the, their their parents' generation. Uh, if again, this is from a consultant who's been with with the post office for 20 years. Anyway, that. That was a long monologue. Well, who who else? Are you there? We're listening. I'm listening. James, uh, where are you? James is uh, engaged now. Okay, we're going to have to do this. I'm trying to get our guest in here, and this is very difficult because they are in Australia. So we are going to do this. I'm going to put you guys on a brief hold. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, hopefully we'll be able to get our guest in here. Uh, Don and IQ are going to hold on the line. We are going to take a break, and hopefully we can get this figured out. Back after this.
Black Woman Talk, a Nigerian musical. It's the Battle of the Sexes, directed by Dr. Leslie Patrick. Coming to the Snellville, Georgia, South Gwinnett Performing Arts Center, September 1st. Costume Gala and Musical African Pride at 4 p.m. September 2nd and September 3rd is the musical Man Talk, Woman Talk. Tickets are so affordable. They start at $50. It is absolutely amazing. Check it out. September 2nd, the musical is at 7 p.m. September 3rd, 2 p.m. Check it out today. It's Man Talk, Woman Talk. For more information, 631-375-1417. Purchase tickets online. CrabiteUSA.com. That's C-R-A-B-I-T-E-S-U-S-A.com. CrabiteUSA.com. Tickets start at $50. It is absolute. September 2nd, September 3rd. Get your tickets now. Do it today. CrabiteUSA.com. Are you ready to unlock your child's creativity and imagination? Introducing B-Block's Building Blocks STEM Toy that offers endless possibilities for building and fun. Available online at Amazon.com slash B-Blocks. That's B-E-B-L-O-X. With B-Block's Building Blocks STEM Toy, the building adventures are limitless. They're available in two sets, 250 pieces and 500 pieces. The more pieces you have, the more you can create. These vibrant and sturdy building tiles come in eight different colors. Allowing your child to explore colors, shapes, and designs in an exciting and fun way. It's a tool for learning to Good God in heaven. Uh, <laughs> we are going to try this again here. So we are going to get our guest in here. And uh, I believe we might have our guest. Uh, she joins us here on our big broadcast. I believe... Uh, Danny Meek is with us, and, uh, and uh, she has an interesting book. Denny Meek joins us here on the telephone. So, Denny, tell us a little bit about your latest book here. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. My book is called Still Standing, Okay. and it's about major life challenges that I've faced in my life. Okay. that include domestic violence, um, the loss of a, uh, an infant child, um, the development of fully-blown anorexia nervosa in my daughter while I was a single parent, and uh, the deaths one by one, four years apart, uh, of two of my teenagers to suicide, plus wow. a very long passage of grief. So it's a book full of very confronting subjects that are all taboos and I'm keen to be talking about them to whoever wants to have these conversations. That is awesome. So uh, Don Mazzella, we want to start with you, my friend. Uh, What kind of questions here do you have for Denny Meek, the author of Still Standing? Well, you know, my my motto is God uh, couldn't look after all of us. That's why he made mothers. But... um, (laughs) Uh, no, my question is one that actually came up uh, this week on another context. How does one um, learn to talk uh, with their, their children, and how does one sustain it themselves in during these crises? Mm, with great difficulty, you just you fumble your way along, you know like we all do with anything that we have never experienced before. We just have to kind of make it up as we go. I, I used to speak to my children very openly 
um, I spoke to my eldest son before he died on, on this really confronting subject and I knew how he was feeling. Uh, I did not think that he would go through with it. I thought that we were speaking more philosophically because that was our relationship. Uh, he used to, he was a very intelligent and deep young person and he would take my mind places that it had not gone. So I, I thought that that was the level that we were speaking on and it was a, it was a terrible shock to lose him to that way. Um, and it was very hard to continue single parenting through that too because my daughter had been very sick with anorexia nervosa up until then. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say how I did it, but I, I, wing, I winged it. Mm. I guess we all winged it on occasion. I think so too. I think so. that's what we're all doing. Well, um, uh, what have you what what have you learned from from all of this that you can um, uh, share with us? Oh, I don't know where to start, Don. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it was it was difficult to condense it all down into a book. I had a, a big storage container full of printouts that I wanted to include in my book. <laughs> So it was a real chore to try to condense it down and to structure it too. Um, I don't know if there's anything that I can give in, in a sentence, you know, about what I've learned. It's just so massive. I've shared uh, journal excerpts throughout Still Standing <clears throat> in the hope that the rawness and the immediacy of those journal excerpts would speak to people who were experiencing the same things. You know that they were not alone uh, because mm -hmm. that isolation is one of the hardest parts of all, each of these experiences. And that's the feedback I'm getting. You know, people have thanked me uh, for that reason that they're not, they, they know they're not alone. So, well, yeah, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Keep going, no, Jiggy. I was going to turn it over to IQ. That's for, what I was getting uh, ready to say. I was gonna, I was going to see if I. We've got IQ Al Rizzoli with us today. Of course, he's an he's also an author. Um, IQ sitting here listening to uh, Denny's story. Uh, what what kind of questions do you have for Denny? Well, first of all, I'm depressed because of what she's gone through. What oh. I was is, how did you sustain yourself? Uh, a da yeah, a day, a day at a time, a day at a time. And when that was too much, an hour at a time, you just sort of go into a state of psychological survival and uh, you just have to break it down and, and take extreme self-care. So uh, when, when it feels overwhelming, which it did, you know, in my, in my book Still Standing, I mention a whole list of conditions that I was diagnosed with and including a panic disorder so when I say break it down into the day or into the hour uh, it, it's extremely challenging in some of those days and just um, prioritize self-care um, yeah each every time that I have had a child every time I've lost a child I've had a, a child at home 
still that I needed to stay for and parent. So that self-care was essential, was critical. Um, but I also think that my pride and determination and my dark sense of humour <laughs> have been a great help to me, have kept me going. Uh, but, yeah, I would say that, you know, caring for yourself is a critical factor. Caring many, for yourself. Sorry. sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. How many children did you lose? I I lost three of my four children. My God. Yeah. And the fourth? The fourth is still with me. The is fourth a, is... A boy or a girl? It's a boy. <laughs> and he is now 31 and he's just become a qualified baker and last year he got his driver's license That's so awesome. I don't I don't know if you can imagine that uh, single parenting for all those years that means that for 30 years I was driving him <laughs> and that includes during COVID across the border to work where we had to stop at the checkpoints and show our papers to make sure it was all right for us to cross every single day, sometimes with a queue an hour and a half long. So I don't know if that's good parenting or bad, but he's with me and he he is the light of my life. He's a lovely, lovely person. He became a qualified baker last year and awesome. um, he's a unique individual, a gamer, mm. great, great sense of humour. Mm. Well, mm. Go ahead, Don. Have you retain, retained your faith through all of this? That's a lovely question. Thank you very much, Don. Um, it's been very, very difficult because I was raised the daughter of a Methodist minister. Um, my dad is still with us. He's 94. And he, he is very uh, empathic about what I have experienced. He loved my children very much. and My parents have been a great support. And, and spiritually, they have understood, too, that my faith has suffered a lot. I went through a very deep, dark night of the soul. And that was a, a huge pain for me. Um, I don't still, you know, I was asking that question, why me? Why is all this happening to me? Because I felt a bit picked on by God. Um, and, and that question doesn't burn like it used to. I think that when you spend many years living with questions like that, you sort of get sick of grappling with them. Uh, that, that's the way it is for me anyway. And I just came to the end of having enough energy to, to have a beef about it with God anymore. It doesn't mean that it got resolved. It just meant that I, I needed to move beyond that question. Why me? And to be on better terms, to have a better spiritual relationship with what I call God. So that's, that's where I am. And it's not a destination. It's a journey. You know, it's something that I work on every day. And, and uh, brings me much more enjoyment and it did it doesn't mean that I'm okay about the fact that I lost all you know three of my children but it, but I just sort of sit with it there it's just sitting at the side of my life and uh, in a more manageable way I hope that answers that question 
Well, but uh, having, having said that, now what do you intend to do? Um, you, you've got your life still got your life in front of you. What are you going to do? Thank you for saying that I have my life in front of me because I'm 62. <laughs> You're um, a youngster. I am a youngster. <laughs> I still I still enjoy my life, you know. Um, I live in a quiet little valley here on the south end of the Gold Coast in Australia. Um, it's It's got a little bit of history. There's a 100-year-old hall here in this valley where I go to a yoga class every Saturday. And, um, you know, I'm promoting this book because I feel that it's very important to talk about the taboo subjects. I think that when we leave them undiscussed, it helps perpetuate their stigmas. And so it's my goal to bring awareness to, you know, whoever will listen. I have book signings and you know, more interviews. So this is my goal at the moment. Hi, Cube. I turn it over to you. I wish you the best, I promise you. I mean, to, to go through this hell of a journey, I wish it only on my enemies. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. I appreciate you, you know. No, really, I mean, to go through this, uh, it's, it's amazing that you survived. Thank you. Mentally, I mean, to yes. mentally is unbelievable. Yes. yes, thank you. I agree with you, mm. I agree. It's such a challenge. I have been, I have been challenged also by anxiety-related conditions, um, you know, generalised anxiety, social anxiety and complex PTSD. And that, the last one, that's not easy. But um, I'm just proud of myself, <laughs> you know. I, I just, I suppose I, I push past what I would expect of myself and I'm proud that I can do it. And there's something in that. I, I don't want the pain to be wasted and... I want to be here and speak a voice on behalf of my children and myself and um, spin straw into gold. <laughs> but you have you really have a very good mission, very important yes. mission. Thank I, I mean, you. From my point of view, definitely your mission is extremely important now. Because Thank as you, you. other people have gone through a fraction of what you have gone through. Yes. And provide. That's right. That's right. That's right. I well, think the bigger the bigger it's grown, the the bigger the challenge. It's it's become ridiculous, <laughs> and and so the challenge is: can I? Is it possible? Is it is it humanly possible to get through this and retain my sanity, or still try to be a good human being? You know, because those things are important to me. You have succeeded. Amazing, honestly. We Thank you, sir. Let me ask you a question. Um, what do you say to... to, to uh, um, you indicate in the book that um, uh, you had violence in your marriage. What do you say to people that uh, ask you what they should do if they're in a situation, women are in a situation like that? Based on your experience, what do you say? Um, I, I would say take it very seriously, you know, because it usually it, it, 
it usually will not happen just once. It will usually be the first of a relationship of it. That's my experience and that's what I've read in research as well. Um, that's what I've heard from other women in support groups that I've attended for domestic violence victims. Uh, so take it very seriously. Um, uh, keep yourself and your children safe, first and foremost. Um, I would say protect yourself with rational thinking. That's, that's really important because we can tend to be very idealistic. You know, the beginning of our lives, most of us want that fairy tale relationship and the happy life, but you really need to protect yourself with rational thinking and call this spade a spade. This is happening. It's, it's tough to come to terms with that. It was for me. I'd never experienced violence before and it was very hard for me to be, to just realise this was actually happening to me. But I say, um, you know, be honest with yourself about it. This is happening and take it from there. Um, it will probably escalate. Keep a separate account for yourself and call it emergency funds. Um, seek counselling uh, with somebody who is trauma-informed and who understands domestic violence. Um, yeah, and, and I would suggest holding a mantra that, uh, that my body is the boundary you do not cross with your anger. And if that's crossed, you have to take another step. So, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say, just leave. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I know mm. from experience with some friends of mine who abuse their wives, they never stopped abusing them. That's right. That's they right. It's yeah, it's, sorry. No, no, it's okay. All I'm saying is it's a disease. It's a mental disease. It, the, if, even if you go to counselling, it doesn't help. It really no. doesn't. No, that's right. And they don't do couples counselling for violence anymore. They don't regard it as a problem of the couple. They regard it as a problem of the perpetrator. And it's 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 men as well as women. So it's the perpetrator. It does happen more to women. Um, you know, I could have a go at the patriarchy about this, but it, it does happen to men as well. So I want to acknowledge that. And it's easy for an outsider to say, just leave. And I've had that criticism made of me. Why don't you just leave? It's not that simple, especially when children are involved. And, uh, you know, the economic considerations for women are more difficult than they are for men. Um, you know, a woman is usually left with the care of the children. Uh, what does she do? Does she, if she, so if she just leaves, where does she go? And what about their entire support network? If there is a daycare centre that the younger child is familiar with, if there are schools that the children are in, where do you go? Just leave. I don't know how it is in the States, but in Australia, and I know other countries worldwide, uh, rental, rental properties are in demand. It's very hard to get rentals. Uh, is she in a position economically to be able to just up and leave? You know, because she's not going to get the husband to support her to do that. <laughs> it's There's a lot to consider 
when you say just leave. You're absolutely um, right. I, I didn't um, mean it in, in a, a demeaning way, I promise you. No, no, no. It is no. extremely difficult. I know. I got divorced not because of any kind of physical uh, altercations. We got divorced because I had a very short temper. And oh. we had friends after the divorce than we were when we were married. In yes. fact, we care for each other now more than when we were married. It's an amazing situation. Yes. You're right. But you see, when we got divorced, she got the children and the house. Mm -hmm. Oh. Because mm -hmm. I fight her. There was nothing to fight over. Yes. She was to divorce me. I accepted it and had a very good, civilized uh, relationship. Mm. It doesn't work out like that. In most cases, it's very acrimonious. Yes, yes. It was not like that for me. I've had two relationships of domestic violence. And the first was my marriage. It was not like that afterwards. And I still love my husband. We brought three very special children into the world. And but, but the person he is, I still love him. Um, and the fighting was finished. When the marriage was over, the fighting was finished. It sounds like you understand that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly mm -hmm. what happened. Mm. Like the, mm, the second relationship of violence that I was involved with, it did not, uh, the control that he was trying to exert did not end when the relationship end, ended. So yeah. mm. that's been more difficult. Mm. Mm. Do you think that um, uh, uh, men who uh, act violently learn it from their from their uh, parents or from their father? Well, um, this it's almost generational. It, in my situations, the first uh, the first relationship of violence, he did learn it from the family home. Um, his father was violent with his mother and there were often times when I would feel like I was living in his parents' marriage with the same issues there in my face. Um, but the second relationship of violence, his parents had not been violent with each other. So, and I don't really know where that came from with him, uh, a, a very controlling personality. But, um, yeah, he had not learned it. So I'm, I'm still pointing f the finger at the patriarchy on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, um, uh, I'm going to be a little intrusive, but uh, some people have argued that uh, uh, you, for instance, went into two relationships with violence. It's almost as if uh, somehow or other, they uh, they fall into the, the trap not the second time as well. It's not the first time I've heard of a serial situation. Um, I, I'm sure you didn't seek him out, but uh, do you find it a little strange that you ended up with two? Uh, I do. I do. Mm. Yeah, I do. And um, I was very hard on myself about that. After I left that second relationship, I was in a lot of in a in a pain, I was suffering terribly. I didn't know why there had been two relationships of domestic violence. 
and uh, I was very hard on myself about that. I worked very hard on myself. I, you know, did courses. I read very widely. I already had a background in psychology. That's head understanding. Um, you know, I attended groups. Uh, I did everything that I could to try to understand how this had happened to me twice. I don't have an answer for it except, you know, maybe spiritual, something spiritual going on that I didn't understand and still really don't. But um, uh, I, I suppose if I was looking at a woman in my situation now, I would, I would ask her not to blame herself and not to be hard on herself. Do you have any suggestions on that question? That, that, that's a great, great answer. Um, that is a great answer. Let, let me ask you this. There, there's been some studies that, uh, that seem that Australian men, for some reason, have a higher propensity uh, for uh, uh, domestic violence. Uh, have you seen any of that, those studies? Or that's just the hogwash? No, I haven't seen that. I'm very interested in that. I'd love you to direct me to that. Um, I know that uh, one in four women, I'll speak for women, one in four women were experiencing domestic violence up until COVID and after COVID it became one in three. And I thought that your rates were similar. We have similar rates on other, other challenging issues and I thought that our DV rates were similar in the States. Do you know what they are over there? Oh, not offhand. I'm not the. Uh, I, I was just um, uh, when I was in Australia uh, years ago. It, it was a uh, it was a very big topic at the time. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. In in the mid '80s uh, was when they brought in legally uh, the domestic violence court order. So, you know, I'll speak for women again, could take out a, a DVO or an AVO, an apprehended violence order, against mm -hmm. a violent partner. So this is about, I had, uh, I'll just share with you my experiences. In 1985, so this is in my marriage, I phoned the police one time and said, um, you know, what, have you heard of the new domestic violence court order? And the police officer said, nope, never heard of it. And I said, what do you normally do in cases of domestic violence? And he said, oh, we don't really like to get involved in domestic disputes, love. So I was on my own with it. Um, mm. And then about a decade later, when I was in the next relationship, I phoned the police again. So we're in the 90s now, the 1990s. And I spoke to the policewoman and said... Um, asked her about that, and she said, uh, who did you speak to when this happened? And I said, no one. It had happened two nights earlier. And she said, you mean this is the first time you've reported it? And I said, yes. And she said, why? You should, you should phone us straight away. You shouldn't wait. So the attitude and the law's attitudes towards this subject had changed in my lifetime in this period over from the 80s to the 90s. I'm not sure about uh, the social conditions that would lead to a higher rate 
<clears throat> of perpetration of violence in Australia. But I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> I'm going to be researching that. That's very interesting. Well, there's, uh, uh, listening to you, uh, there's hope for us all. If you, you can overcome what you've overcome, uh, uh, some of our trials are tri uh, trivial compared to it. You know, being congratulated, uh, praised, not congratulated, praised. Thank you so much, Don. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, let's wrap up here. No, thank you. Uh, let's let's start with IQ Al Rizzoli. IQ, how do we get your books, my friend? They're on Amazon. If somebody was in interested, all you need to do is Google my name, El Rasuli, A L R A S O L I. And compared to my experience and this lady's experience, there's no comparison. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you so much. So, Don. Couldn't uh, agree with you more, IQ. <laughs> Usually we disagree, but this time we agree. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. So, uh, so Don, uh, run it down for us. How, how do we get all your stuff and get involved with what you're doing, Mazzella? Yeah, 2SBDigest.com, hashtag 2SBDigest, and, of course, the National Robotics Education Foundation, the hyphen uh, NREF.org. And you can reach it, uh, me there, and hopefully soon I'll be able to tell you about my books. Fantastic. But until then, uh, we'll have to leave, uh, leave it to a wonderful book that this woman has just told us about. So, Denny, how do we get in touch with you online and buy your incredible book? So you can get it at my website. Uh, the landing page for the book is dennymeek.com.au. Or um, that way you can get a signed copy, or you can get it through all the good bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Booktopia, Dimex, etc. All the good bookstores. Fantastic. Well, you are amazing. This has definitely been a fun interview, and uh, look forward to more, my friend. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Don and IQ, I will talk to you guys next week. And uh, thank you, Denny. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it, my friend. There they go. That is the fantastic Denny Meek and the uh, IQ Alrizoli and, of course, the fantastic Don Mazzella. And that wraps it up here for this edition of our big broadcast. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.